All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, a lovely Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. It is the Gregor Show, as always, presented by Play Alberta. .ca, Alberta's only regulated online gambling website where you call the shots, uh, try the parley. Yeah, think about it. You could go the Oilers to tie the franchise record. Ninth consecutive home win. Connor McDavid to have his 20th consecutive game with a point on home ice. And if you want to parlay it to Leafs in Arizona, Matthews, 50. Ooh, spicy. Check it out at Play Alberta. Hey, I'm Jason Greger. He is Connor Halley. As always, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, listening and uh, those watching on Orders Nation YouTube and Facebook. We uh, always appreciate it. You can get involved in the show. You can text us at 833-401-1440. I was down at Rogers Place getting set for the Orders and the Bruins. It also happens to be a hockey hookie day today where uh, there was close to 15,000 fans and uh, I would say the vast majority of them were uh, young school children who were uh, very much having the time of their lives outside of school. Uh, lots of screaming. It was very loud. And uh, but you know what? Uh, the old kings come up with a big win, five to four. So the kids and the and the team go go home happy. It was an exciting game. It was actually pretty fun. I was uh, standing watching. Uh, a period of it in the uh, in the Zamboni entrance. So I've never really watched a game from down there because usually I'm up in the press box. Quite liked it. It was a really good vantage point, especially when the play's coming right at you. So uh, it was good uh, good for the Old Kings. And hey, speaking of the Old Kings, we have a set of loge seats, a loge table for you this Sunday. So think about it later in the sh- in the first hour of the show uh, when you if you're paying attention. Uh, we will have a little contest, and uh, the winner is going to get a loge table for the Oil Kings game on Sunday, courtesy of our friends at Epcor. So, nice. 
So uh, we'll get to all that. Of course, uh, the main matchup tonight, the Oilers and the Boston Bruins. Edmonton, hey, did you see the out-of-town scoreboard last night? A victory tonight for the Oilers. They pull within one point of Vegas, and they'd still have three games in hand. Home ice advantage is right there. Obviously, they're super close. Now they got a tough opponent tonight in uh, Boston, although Hampus Lindholm out. Hampus Lindholm plays the most even strength minutes of any Boston Bruin defender. He plays 240 on the penalty kill. He plays about a buck 35. He's on their second power play unit. That's a huge loss. So uh, he is out of the lineup. And the uh, the Bruins will have uh, two young defenders in the uh, lineup tonight. And uh, I'm guessing that uh, Leon Dreisaitl will uh, will be seeing one of them almost every shift because uh, Matt Greslick and Charlie McAvoy are likely going to get the uh, the Connor McDavid matchup, but not always. And then you got Brandon Carlo and Mason Laurie. Of course, uh, tonight will be his 28th NHL game. And uh, then you got Parker Watherspoon on the third pair playing with Derek Forbert. And uh, Watherspoon, this will be his 34th. And it's 36, excuse me, NHL game. So two young, inexperienced defenders for the Bruins tonight without, uh, without Lindholm. We got a few other, uh, nicked up players. Uh, of course, uh, Jacob Laco is, is, well, he's healthy scratch last game. Uh, so we'll see how they go. But, uh, the, uh, the defense of the Bruins still good, but not the defense they had last year. Of course, Orloff was a late season addition and then he didn't resign. So. There, there's, there's a, there's been a few little cracks. The Bruins have won 11 of their last 21 games. Now they've lost five in uh, overtime or a shootout. So they've been in games. They have been involved in 24 one goal games this year. The Oilers league low 13. Edmonton's either winning by two plus or losing by two plus for the most part. Right, they've been to two shootouts. Edmonton's won both. Edmonton is four and one in overtime. The only loss in OT, of course, to the Winnipeg Jets. So there's seven. So sixty minute games, only six have ended as a one goal game. Obviously, uh, there's now there's some games with empty netters for sure, uh, but also uh, a lot of games where the orders are just winning by two, three plus goals. So. Will they do that tonight? We'll see. The head coach, Chris Knobloch, we'll hear from him a little bit later on. He feels this could be a similar style of game than what we saw against Dallas. Now, if you like playoff hockey, the first and third period of Dallas, there was not a lot of chances. Each team had one scoring chance in the first period. And I think in the third, Edmonton had two and Dallas had one. It was not a game. Now, the second period was highly entertaining. So, can... uh, well, we see that tonight. Edmonton wants to be focused. Uh, spoke to Warren Fogle about, hey, we know we really haven't put together a 60-minute effort. Although I think Dallas was close. Dallas was pretty close. I know they didn't generate as much offense as they want in the first and third, but they definitely didn't give up anything in the first and third. So I would think they'd be okay with that. Uh, the orders, as mentioned, uh, how about this? They've outscored their opposition 35-13 to during their uh, eight-game home winning streak. The Orders won eight games, then they lost two in a row to Florida and Tampa on December 14th and 16th. Then they didn't play at home again until January 2nd, and since then, they haven't lost. So the Orders are 16-2 and in their last 18 home games. Pretty impressive. They have made it a tough place to play, for who, regardless of who comes in here. 
But uh, Boston, of course, one of the uh, few teams in the NHL right now with more points than the Edmonton Orders. So the uh, Orders, as they try to continue their ascent up the uh, standings, will have a tough task tonight against Boston. Now, Boston is the only game where the Orders play a team top 10 in the league between now and the NHL trade deadline. So a little bit of a measuring stick, no question. But uh, the Bruins with 77 points. The Orders have 67, although uh, they have four games in hand. The Orders obviously have games in hand on everybody. So, you know, the points percentage obviously is a little bit closer. Boston, 688. Edmonton, 644. So they both have 33 uh, wins. Edmonton has 27 in regulation. Boston has 26. So, you know, the Orders have uh, one more. But the Bruins have tied second most overtime slash shootout losses in the NHL this year with 11. Did you know the Edmonton Orders have the fewest? They only have the one against Winnipeg. That's it. They are 6-1 uh, and one in uh, OT slash shootout this year. 833-401-1440. Uh, the other factors, of course, tonight, because, you know, when you look at it, I think for the Orders, it's not just Vegas they've closed the gap on. Look at uh, now Vancouver lost again. Suddenly they've lost three in a row for the first time, and oof. You know what? Pretty, pretty calm fan base and uh, media in Vancouver. There's not a lot of people freaking out over there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man. Now, it, there's a small section of Oiler fans that uh, lose their mind after one loss. But honestly, it's a small minority. Um, Canuck fans, though, oof, some of their media people, man, they are jumping off the ledge. It's three games. Like, calm down. I didn't even think they played bad last night. They just lost. It happens. But the orders are, uh, they got six games in hand on Vancouver. That's a lot. And they're 13 points back. So now, even if they won them all, they'd still only be one point back. But my point is, you know, they're getting closer every time. You keep winning, especially your games in hand. And uh, this five-game homestand is an opportunity for the orders. Well, two things. Number one, they could tie the record and then beat it against Minnesota on Friday night. You got Minnesota and Calgary back-to-back Friday and Saturday. Pickard and Skinner are going to split those. Then you have L.A. comes in on Monday, St. Louis next Wednesday. Then the Orders play uh, in Seattle on next Saturday and uh, back home for one game in Pittsburgh. And then they head out on a four-game road trip that uh, will be in the middle of the trade deadline. So uh, lots going on. But, you know, the orders are in Columbus, they're in Buffalo, you know, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Calgary, Minnesota. They don't have a, it's not murderer's row by any stretch of the imagination. And Edmonton has done very well against the bad teams. As I mentioned yesterday, 16 consecutive wins over uh, bottom 11 teams in the NHL. So uh, the orders have taken care of business. Eventually they're going to lose one. Some people will freak out. I would tell them, you're not bright. Calm down. You're not going to beat every bottom feeder team. Not all the time, but uh, the orders have been quite good. So I look forward to this test against the Bruins. Here's a little fun stat for you. The Edmonton Orders, even if they win tonight, all time would only be their 16th victory at home in 42 games against the Boston Bruins. Historically, you go back to the 80s when the orders were great, they've always struggled against the Boston Bruins. So I don't take anything for granted, but uh, Edmonton is playing well. Boston kind of going through their toughest stretch of the season. Right now, it's not bad by any stretch. As I mentioned, they've won 11 out of 21. But for them, the way they play, they've started to give up a few more goals. And I do think the the Hampus-Lindholm injury, that's one. You can get by with it for a few games, but eventually it catches up to you. Be no different for any team. 
So uh, you got to try to take advantage of that tonight if you the orders. And so I mentioned Vancouver, they're closer. How about this? The orders are six back of Winnipeg, two games in hand. There's seven back of Colorado, five games in hand. So you start to, if, you, if you're thinking about home ice, you got to start thinking about the third round home ice. Because even if Edmonton doesn't catch Vancouver and then they meet him in the second round, but they beat him, well, now they're going to take on whoever comes out of the central. So if you can get ahead of Colorado or Winnipeg, you could have home ice in the first round, not in the second, but then have it in the third again. So that is, uh, that's key for the orders down the stretch. Uh, lots to play for. I think the players know it in, in talking to them today. Uh, there will be a lineup change. It looks like no Ryan Nugent Hopkins tonight. Uh, baby Nuge is sick. Now, his head coach didn't rule him out completely, said he's questionable. They kept him at home. He is sick. Now, I did have the who knows. Maybe he got sick yesterday. The orders have obviously had something. Dylan Holloway uh, missed a game lately. So I, I'm guessing Nugent Hopkins doesn't play. There's always a chance, but uh, I'm going to guess that uh, he's not going to go tonight. So that means Warren Fogle will start the game with McDavid and Hyman. Kane. Dry Settle and Ryan McLeod on the uh, second line. Then you'll have Perry with Holloway and Yanmark, uh, Gagne, Ryan, and it uh, looks like Connor Brown will draw back in for uh, Nugent Hopkins. Defense pair is obviously the same. They only have six, and uh, Stu Skinner will get his second consecutive start. A few other uh, quick texts to, to get to. Hey, guys, tough schedule with their regression with their shooting percentage may bring them down to reality. Mark. Now, Mark, are you talking about uh, the Canucks here? Um, well, yeah, that's fair. You know, the Canucks, hey, and I, I wrote this uh, in in, uh, in January when I looked at the remaining schedule. Vancouver, is they, they are now in the midst of their toughest scheduling stretch of the season. No question. The Orders had theirs early in the year. And uh, now it's Vancouver's turn. Uh, to get theirs, where they're playing a lot of the top teams. Like this month, they've already played Carolina and Boston. They split. They lost to Winnipeg. They lost to Colorado, two other top 10 teams. And they, they gave up seven to Minnesota, which is kind of shocking. Now, they're in Seattle tomorrow. You know, that's a game they should be win. They got Boston, though, at home on uh, Saturday. And the Bruins, obviously, as we know, pretty good team. They got L.A. before the uh, the end of the month. Then uh, they've got uh, their homestand, though. They face... Dallas, Winnipeg, Colorado. They got a tough homestand, although it is a nine-gamer. A nine-game homestand from March 9th to March 31st. I can't, I'm trying to remember. Like, I think I'd like to know what the order's longest homestand is. I want to think it was seven games. Maybe it was more. Somebody out there, some season ticket holder probably remember. But a nine-game homestand. It almost becomes too much. Because the players are kind of used to getting out after a while. Now, four and five game homestand seems to be good for uh, all parties involved. Uh, some of the wives joke, okay, it's time for you to beat it, get out of town for a bit. So we'll see. But the uh, Canucks, the, the Canucks weren't going to dominate all year long. I think they're a good team. It's going to close the gap. Uh, it will be a, a little funny to uh, watch if all of a sudden, you know, they're winning one out of six or seven. Right now, just remember, order fans. When your team was two eight and one, we could go back and read the comments about how the orders were done. Some of you said, not all, some. There was many people at point wanted to trade Evander Kane. Right, they go through. Stuart Skinner was never going to be good. 
Right? Like, man, you could go through some of the hot takes that were colder than cold. So, let's see. Hey, Gregor, what's going on with Borgo? Is he still with the orders? Yeah, he's in uh, Bakersfield. He's having a tough uh, sophomore season, man. The AHL is not easy. Uh, we had his head coach on Colin Shock, and, uh, and he spoke about, you know, Borgo just, you now he's a little bit of snake bitten, but he's kind of going through the learning motions, got to get stronger. That was, that was the thing, cons, that stood out to me from uh, our, our interview with Colin Chalk last week when it came to some of the young guys, but specifically Borgo, he just felt like there's a guy who's going to have to get a little bit stronger. And you know what? Like, it doesn't mean that a player isn't trying hard, but working out at the junior standard is different than working out at the pro standard. And you don't really learn it until you're in it. It's hard. Yeah, I mean, last year, 13 goals, 62 games played. This year, just six. There's certainly going to be, you know, your lumps. Guys start to realize your game, and there's game planning down there. They know who you are, what you can do, and, uh, you know, defend accordingly. So, uh, for sure, it's not going to be smooth sailings. It's never going to be, you know, the progression of a direct line going upwards. There's going to be ups and downs. You hope that he learns from those sorts of things, right? Learns how he has to adapt to get better as a professional, knowing that that's what he's up against this year. And Gregor, uh, six-game homestand was the longest this year. Yeah, this year, no, I meant just like all time. I'm oh, curious. All yeah, time, yeah. Because yeah. a nine gamer is, uh, is pretty rare. Hey, Gregor, who do you think will, they'll put on Nuge's spot in the power play? I don't think automatically you would put Kane because he doesn't distribute like him. What about Gagne from B? Well, I don't think you're going to put Gagne there. Um, Evander Kane's on your second unit power play. Uh, he is your best outside shooter. And you're right. He does not distribute the puck like Nugent Hopkins. But earlier in this season, Kane was the one who went on the power play. So I'm going to guess it's Evander Kane. I'd be surprised if it was anyone else. Uh, I don't think they're going to... Like, Corey Perry's more of a net front. It's like, Kane, yeah, he can be in the net front, but he can shoot from distance. So, I think it'll be Kane. But keep in mind, Kane knows... Well, I shouldn't say that. At times, he thinks he's a passer. He's not a passer. Okay, like, let's be honest. Kane is not a great distributor of the puck. Nothing wrong with that. That's just not his forte. He can make the odd pass every now and then, of course. But he's not Nugent Hopkins. But he shoots, I think, better than Nugent Hopkins. So... I could see a slight little change. You know, McDavid, Dry Settle, they're going to be the, the puck distributors for sure. And uh, Kane's involvement will be maybe a little bit more of a shooter, quick distributor, not the guy who's going to try to thread the needle. But, you know, it's only one game. You're not going to put Sam Gagne in and mix everything up because he really hasn't beat on the power play very much this year because he hasn't played very much. So, yeah, I'm going to say it is uh, going to be um, it's going to be Kane. Hey, boys, if the Lightning fall out of the race, what about uh, Michael Essimon? Do you think uh, him in the bottom six from shanked one? I'd be very surprised if they fall out here in the next two weeks because that's what has to happen. They have to fall out in two weeks. And here's the other thing. So I was looking at, you know, and everybody knows I'm pretty high on uh, Malenstein and, and Dowd. Now, Dowd got hurt last night, so that might really screw up my strategy. I'm going to make that clear. But here's the other thing. So I was looking at the orders, and, you know, I was looking at other teams' fourth line. So here's my question. And if I'm Ken Holland, the one question I'm asking Chris Knobloch is, if I upgrade my fourth line, are you going to play him more? Because if you're not, that's fine. Then I'm going to upgrade in other areas in the top nine for sure. Right? That's That would be my strategy. I'm not going to pay for fourth line guys, bring them in if they're not going to play very much, because then it's hard to contribute. So I think that's the conversation they have to have. So Essimont, mm, I guess they could look at him, but I don't see Tampa Bay falling out in the next two weeks. I'd be, uh, I'd be very surprised. Hey, Greg's, how many texts were there for fire the goaltender coach <laughs> from Big G? Oh, Big G, remember it? That's when you had a, um, where, where people get upset and they just want to believe anything. So they start spreading false rumors about his personal life. 
And that to me is where it crossed the line. And then the people, rather than and realize that they're being idiots, they double down. Yeah, but. No, there's no yeah, but. You don't bring in someone's wife and child when you're 100% false, number one. Don't ever do it. You're in a bleep hole, okay? That's what you are as a fan. Don't be that type of fan. You want to dislike a player, dislike a coach? Fine, that's you're allowed to. But you never bring in their family. It was, it was the most disgusting thing I'd seen in a long time. It's a small portion of, of fans who did it. But, you know, it required people saying, ah, uh, no, that's not true. Stop it. And clearly they're proven how uh, incorrect they are in understanding the goaltender position. I think uh, Pickard and Skinner, who are still overseed by Schwartz, last I checked, have done pretty well. Quick break. Uh, when we come back, we've got a busy show for you today. We will uh, have uh, Tyler Uremchuk, uh, Mike Rupp, uh, Speck, Joe Haggerty will give us the Boston side of things. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, Josh Prokop, the uh, Golden Bears captain. Also, uh, Mark Crono will uh, join us, talk about the uh, the Saints. They're back in action. I haven't played a home game in, like, forever. So uh, we'll talk about the switch. How's it gone from the AJHL to the BCHL? Why'd it happen? What, uh, you know, what was going on? So uh, we'll get all of that. Also, we will have... Who is it Wednesday today, which is, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, definitely a, a, a different uh, guest in, in a sense. So um, our who is it Wednesday guest was a second round selection in the in the National Hockey League, has spent uh, a decade in the NHL, has one, two, three family members also. Were or are part of the NHL? 833-401-1440. If you know who it is. We'll come back with your Ram Check on the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Game day continues on. Sports 1440, Orders Nation YouTube and Facebook. Welcome back. I'm Jason Gregor. Alongside Connor Halley. Hope you're having an awesome day. Hey, I saw the forecast. Dare to dream. Five to ten centimeters of the white stuff on Sunday and Monday. Man, we could use it. So I'm all in, man. I'm all in. I hope it happens. Heck, I hope they're wrong, and I hope it's 15 to 20. I don't care at this point. Make it rain. Well, maybe not rain, but make it rain snow-wise. You know what I mean? Be out there like, uh, who was it? Uh, Floyd? Lloyd? Uh, with the big stack of money? That's what they need. Just uh, make it uh, snow at this point. Take anything. Need some moisture for sure. And uh, hey, order fans, you can't complain. 16 of the last 18 times that you walked into Rogers, you walked out happy because your team won. They won eight in a row, then they lost two, and now they've won eight in a row again, looking to tie the franchise record tonight, which is nine consecutive home games. And um, how about uh, Connor McDavid? Connor McDavid has a point in every home game since November 4th. He has 46 points in his last 19 home games. Hmm. Not too shabby. Let's get to the uh, oil report now. Brought to you by VolvoCarsEdmonton.com. They just picked up their 13th Excellence Award in uh, customer service, sales, and vehicles. Because they have it all. Great cars. XC90. Highly recommended. And unbelievable service. You don't believe me? Just go try it for yourself. Then you can text me and say you were right, because I don't lie about that stuff. Customer service matters, and they know it at VolvoCarsEdmonton.com. As uh, Tyler Yaremchuk 
joins us uh, fresh off of a, a trip to the uh, Mullet Arena. Uh, Ty, how would you describe the game day experience at the Mullet Arena? Oh, man, I really didn't know what to expect coming into it. Like, I didn't know if it was maybe going to be as bad as people said. I'd talked to some buddies who had gone to watch non-Oilers games before, and they just said it was electric. And, like, the outside of the arena just looks like a rec center. It's like if you walked up to, like, Millennium Place or whatever. It's just like a dome and or like a little box. And you go in, and I walked up the first little flight of stairs to go look in the lower bowl, and I just laughed. Like, I couldn't even control it. It's like... How is this an arena where an NHL team actually plays? So on one hand, I'm so happy I went out there with the Oilers Nation crew and we did our big trip because you might not might not ever get to see an, a, the it's Oilers true. play in an yeah. arena like that after this year. So for like a once in a lifetime kind of experience, it was awesome. The atmosphere was great. It was packed with Oilers fans. Every sight line you could have had was unbelievable. There's also kind of like the non-Oilers side of me that's like, this is wildly embarrassing for the NHL. Like you're just kind of sitting there being like, how is this a real NHL arena that these, this team plays 41 games out of? So I saw both sides of it. Yeah, I agree with you on the, the experience factor. I don't know if you'll ever experience a game with less than 5,000 and it's sold out. Right, like, hey guys, we're sitting in the top row today. Oh yeah, what row? 13. Like it's, you know, it's just different. It's a, it's completely different. Everybody's close there for sure. Tickets are obviously, uh, you know, not as cheap as they were in the, in the old uh, arena in Arizona. But man, I just, I wonder if that was the last hurrah, uh, you know, for them. You know, you haven't heard anything. And the longer you hear nothing is not good for Arizona. No, because you, I can't imagine a scenario where the NHL lets them no. go into the summer without a permanent plan. And if they go into the summer without a permanent plan, they're they're on the first train over to Utah. So yeah. unfortunately, like I did feel bad for some Coyotes fans in there because some Oilers fans were really giving it to them. People were breaking out the Utah chant. I was like, oh my God, these poor people just want to watch the last few games they have of their Arizona Coyotes. But it's it's not looking good. I, I highly doubt we'll be able to do another nation vacation out to Arizona next year. Uh, the orders, it was not a great second period, but uh, they turned up the heat in the third and uh, dominated. King gets two. Uh, Hyman scores a uh, Fogel and empty netter and the uh, orders win uh, consecutive games for the first time since their uh, 16 game heater. And Warren Fogel said that was pretty important. They needed that as a group. They know they haven't really put together many good 60 minute efforts. Although I would argue the Dallas one was pretty good, but you, you know, you look at it tonight. So here's my question for Nugent Hopkins uh, is sick at home. I'm guessing he's not going to play. The coach said he's questionable. You know, we're into the NFL uh, style of uh, injuries there, but he, he's, he's sick. Um, you know, could he play? Probably. I, I don't think he's going to play. So Evander Kane would be my logical guess as a guy who replaces him on the first unit power play. Fogel's going to replace him on the, on the five on five to start with Hyman and, and McDavid, but they'll put Kane there. And Kane's probably a better outside shooter. He's not as good of a distributor. No, no, no doubt in my mind, but like, do you see anybody else that you could realistically see going on the top unit? No, I don't think so. And I was trying to think about this earlier. Some people were like, well, Corey Perry seems to be working or was working well with McDavid and Dreisaitl at five on five. Maybe you put him there. But I don't think that makes a lot of sense to have Perry in that spot on the far side, because like you said, he's not as good of a pure finisher as Evander Kane. No one outside of that kind of core group for the Oilers is. So I don't know, unless you're going to do something really drastic, like move Zach Hyman to the nude spot and put someone else in front of the net. 
But again, it's not like Nuge is going to be out for two or three weeks. If that was the case, I'd say, yeah, experiment a little, see what you can do. It's one game, so it makes way more sense. Just plop Evander Kane in there and get through the one game. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, you don't need to overthink this. It's one game. And early in the year, uh, I think when McDavid was out, Kane was on the first unit power play anyway. So that's why I think it's a, it's going to be uh, Evander Kane. The Boston Bruins, no Hampus Lindholm. He's out week to week for the uh, Bruins. So they got uh, two young bucks on the uh, the back end that uh, I'm guessing Drysaddle might see more of because I'm thinking the uh, McAvoy uh, Matt Greslick combination will we'll try to get the uh, the McDavid matchup. But you know this Boston Bruins team is good, Tyler. But they're, like they're coming in here not dominant, and obviously now they're a little bit banged up. Like this, I know Edmonton's been on a basically a seven game road trip with one game at home in between, and so sometimes it's hard to get your legs. But the coach wisely gave the day off yesterday. I this is a game where I still think Edmonton should put the hammer down on a team that's not playing very well right now. Yeah, 4-4-2 four, four, and two in their last 10. And some of the underlying numbers aren't great for the Boston Bruins either. Like, I was just kind of clicking through natural statrics, seeing how they were doing as of late. I haven't watched a ton of Bruins hockey. And what stands out, like, 74 shot attempts at 5-on-5 five five against the Dallas Stars. That's what they gave up. They've given up three goals at 5-on-5 five five now in back-to-back games as well. Like, heading into the year, a lot of people wondered about the depth of this Bruins team. Obviously, Coyle and Zaka have done a great job stepping up with Bergeron and Krejci gone. But those two step up and it kind of creates a bit of a hole underneath them and then on top of that you start running into some injuries on your blue line which are obviously going to hurt you at five on five and I don't wonder if this is a Bruins team that's starting to run out of gas maybe a little bit and with the injuries again you lose an extra little bit of depth and you were already thin in that department like they are a flawed team right now I still think they're going to be a tough outcome playoff time and all of that stuff. But for right now, this is a Bruins team that, like you said, is very, very vulnerable. The Oilers have been dynamite on home ice. It's just going to be a matter of for Edmonton playing. A, a, this is so cliche, but a full 60 tonight. Like they just keep on getting caved in the second period. And against Arizona, you can get away with it. Against Anaheim, they got away with it. Against a team like Boston, if you spot them three goals in the yeah. middle frame, they're good enough and well coached enough with Jim Montgomery that they'll clamp it down in the third period. They're not going to give anything back to you. So that's going to be what I'm watching for tonight is can the Oilers have that kind of killer instinct and keep it sustained. So wait, you're telling me that Boston won't ice the puck three times in the first minute and a half protecting a one goal lead. God, that was terrible. Like I was like, what's Arizona doing? Like, Oh man. Now I don't not saying the coach told him to do it, but it, it didn't look like they had a very aggressive approach in the third period. No, and like there was that, like the turnovers were absolutely brutal as well. I criticized Coach Lee. I thought maybe the timeout should have came a goal earlier for the Coyotes, and maybe you could have calmed things down. But it was insane to watch. I again, I'll go back to that Anaheim game because it was a very similar script where like the Oilers are down in the game, it's tied, whatever, and then against these bad teams, Edmonton just has the ability to. Okay, you made two mistakes. Boom, boom. We burned you on both of them. And look, we're right back in it. So I guess having that trait and that confidence is a good thing for the Oilers. It would just be nice from a fan perspective if it didn't have to come to that as often. I'm sure Chris Knobloch would uh, be a lot more relaxed during games if going into every third period. It wasn't like, what the hell did I just watch for the last 20 minutes? So, Ty, I... uh... Obviously, everybody knows, uh, you know, what I've thought about the orders and, and Dowd and, and Beck Malenstein. And of course, Dowd got injured. Still no word on, on how serious, if it's that serious of an upper body injury. But, um, I, I was looking at, at time on ice. I mean, looking at it and I was looking at Vegas's deployment. And to me, you know, it's the chicken and the egg in Edmonton. Everyone's like, Oh, you got to upgrade your fourth line. But when you have McDavid and Drysidle, even, even if you get really good fourth liners, 
are they really going to play that much? So that's my question now. Yeah, I could upgrade the fourth line, but it might be upgrading to guys that aren't going to cost you anything rather than a guy like Dowd who's really good in the best of the available players because if you've got to give up that much but you're not going to use him, does it make it worthwhile? What do you think? And yeah, like I debated this with Frank today on our uh, on our daily live show, and he was like, "Listen, with guys like Dowd and Lawton, you're going to be paying a premium. But for a team like Edmonton, what's the percentage better that they actually make you? And it's you know compare that to some of the high end wingers that are available. Does making that shift where Leon Drysaddle's on the ice better and more productive? Does that actually pay off more because there's you know 25 of those shifts in a game versus the third and fourth line who are getting 10 to 12? Like I see the logic there, but I also look at an Edmonton team that. I mean, last year in the playoffs against Vegas, like the offense outside of Connor and Leon doing their thing, the offense dried up. So I just think creating a third line that can, you know, not just break even, but consistently outscore the other team. I think that would do wonders for them. And I keep going back the point you made. We've talked about it on this show. You talked about it on my show as well. If you can take a handful of hard defensive shifts away from Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle every game, does that just free them up a little bit more? And does that make even though Dowd won't be on the ice for that, his impact will be felt in a weird way. So I don't know. I really warmed up to the idea of going out and getting a high-end third-line center, and, you know, that'll push someone down. It will, in turn, hopefully make your fourth line a little bit better if, you know, Dylan Holloway or someone else are playing regular shifts down there and driving play a little bit more than the guys who currently are. But I'm really warming up to the idea of a bottom-six centerman, even if it is just a little bit of a percentage of an upgrade. I think it's worth it for this team. Yeah, no, it's well, it would be worth it, but it might not be like, you know, maybe the the Sunquist and the uh, and the Sam Carricks are the upgrades uh, because you're like, well, it's going to cost us way less and we're probably not going to use them that much anyway. So uh, let's do that. It's still an upgrade, but it's not a costly upgrade. And I wonder if that's it. The, the, the challenge is and I really think right now, if I'm the Edmonton owners, I am closely monitoring the New Jersey Devils. Now, I've heard that the Devils and Toffoli's camp are, are trying to, you know, they're New Jersey would like to sign him, but, and they want to stay in the hunt. But if that doesn't happen here in the next two weeks, Tyler Toffoli comes on the market. He, to me, of all the right wingers, and Jake Gunsel's a left shot, I think Toffoli is the best fit for this team. Yay or nay? 1,000%. Um, I just, a guy who plays well in the playoffs, he has that kind of experience. I just think his his combination of size and speed and everything Tyler Toffoli do just fits in so perfectly next to Leon Dreisaitl. Like when they when Dreisaitl and Yamamoto would have runs of being really successful, it's because Yamamoto was just a dog on the forecheck and he'd get in there even though he didn't have his size. He'd play in the tough areas for his turnovers. Like Tyler Toffoli is Yamamoto on hypothetical steroids, right? Like he's just that much better at everything he did but we kind of know that player archetype fits well with Leon Dreisaitl. So I think upgrading that right wing spot, if it's a guy like Toffoli, I think that also makes a lot of sense. And again, it would allow you to shift someone down to the third line, maybe make your third line a bit more competitive and actually be able to score and then shift someone down to the fourth line. So the ripple effect would still be there. I just, I look at New Jersey and where they're sitting right now. I have a hard time thinking, I like, I think it's more likely they add Markstrom and just keep pushing and trying hmm. to get in yeah. versus, you know, even if they're five points out being like, ah, maybe we should just pull the plug on this thing. Cause they got to catch Detroit or Tampa, right? That's kind of, you know, it's not like they Philly. Yeah, yeah. Philly, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about Philly. So there, there is a, that's a possibility there. Um, you know, the Jack Hughes return definitely, uh, helps a bit really in the last 10 games. They've gained no ground on Philly. 
It's that, and so they're still five back of them, right? They've both gone four, five, and one. The good news for New Jersey is they didn't lose ground in those 10 games because the Flyers didn't take advantage of it. But yeah, Philly's definitely uh, in there. And they're still battling the Islanders. Um, you know, like uh, Washington, God, I give them credit, man. Every time I count them completely out, they find a way to win a few more games. I still don't think they can do it. But all of a sudden, Ovechkin's scoring again. Ty, um, so I have a fun goal thing for you. So how many goals does Ovi finish with? And uh, Austin Matthews, does he get to 70 goals? Ooh, so Ovi, now he's on pace for 26, and he has this nice little heater, this run of eight goals in yeah. eight games, popped home two last night. I, I, I'm going to say Ovi can go out and hit the 30-goal mark this year. For him Ooh. to get 14 more goals in his final 31 games of the year, that's still under that half a goal per game pace, so under a 40-goal pace from now to the end of the year. I think Ovi can get to 30, and honestly, with Matthews, the big thing will be health. It always is with Austin Matthews, but everything that guy touches is right now oh, feels God. like it's winding up in the back of that. Like it, yeah. it's an absolutely mind blowing run. Like this is honestly on the level of McDavid doing the 150 point thing. If Matthews can find a way to get to 70 and I say he does it 21 more goals. And again, 29 games, that's significantly worse than his pace of what he's doing right now. So I think Matthews is going to do it. It'll just be really interesting. If he pops home a couple more hat tricks, Gregor, we're sitting there talking about a guy who could maybe finish in the mid seventies, which is even crazier. Oh yeah, if he gets to uh if he can get to 75, he'll be what is it? The 6th player with uh or 7th with uh with 75 or more goals. The last guys of course both uh, in 1993 Mogilny and Solani, you got Phil Esposito, Hall, Lemieux, Gretzky of course, um in the in that group. So it's pretty rare and it's just like McDavid could like McDavid could get to 100 assists, which is even more rare because you've only got Gretzky 11 times uh, or once, Lemieux once. Like Both of those will be great chases to watch. right? And could Nathan McKinnon, who, who needed an empty net or assist, but he's got 27-game point streak at home to start the year. Could he go perfect 41 home games, 41 uh, games with a point? I'd be unreal. That, yeah, I'd be unreal. I'd actually think if you were to put them in a list, so McDavid 100 assists, Matthews, 70 or 75 goals, whichever one, and McKinnon 41 for 41. I would say the biggest long shot is probably McKinnon just because like Matthews and McKinnon or Matthews and McDavid, they can have two off nights every yes. couple of games or whatever. And still the pace can work itself out with McKinnon. I mean, he dodged a big bullet yep. last night, but you have one off night or you miss a game because of an illness or something. It's toast. So if I had to rank them, I'd say the McKinnon one is the least likely of happening. But yeah, it'd be really sweet to have those three guys, three faces of the league, Hart Trophy candidates this year. Maybe they're the three finalists, and they're all chasing different parts of history. That'll be really fun. Yeah, and then you throw in Kucherov, who currently is 36 points ahead of his closest teammate. 36 already. Like, it's he might end up 50 points ahead of a teammate, man. Like, that's – how can you not have him in the conversation? Yeah, like the Hart Trophy this year. I know some people like Hellebuck. And me personally, if a goalie does – if he misses 25% of the season because he's not playing – that rules them out for me. That's just my thought, but that's that's too much of the season where you have no value to your team when you're not playing. None. So that's kind of how I see it. So who knows? Yeah, Ty, uh, enjoy the game tonight. We will uh, chat with you next uh, Wednesday here and uh, tomorrow on the rundown. There you go. Thanks, Greg. There you go. It's Tyler Ramchuk from Daily Faceoff and Oilers Nation. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the change. How is change going? Most of us, we hate change. 
but sometimes it can be good. We'll find out if it is next on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca, coming to you live in the E-Well studio, E-W-E-L.ca. 2.48, welcome back. Jason Gregor Show on Sports 1440, Orders Nation YouTube and Facebook. Uh, thanks, as always, for uh, joining us. We're going to go in the room now, brought to you by Next Gen Transportation. Of course, a heavy haul transport provider, 100% locally owned and operated, and they have their new platform trailers have arrived and are ready for work. You need one? Go to nextgentransportation.com. And uh, our guest today is Executive Director of Silent Eye Sports and uh, Entertainment, uh, Mark Cronowit. Joins us. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, really good. How are you doing, Jason? Uh, Next Gen, great sponsor of the Saints, too. Oh, that's good. Hey, there you go. A nice uh, connection. So, yeah, let, let's talk about the uh, the Saints, of course, uh, along with the Crusaders and, and Brooks and, and Black Falls and Okotoks, um, left the AJHL. And uh, and then obviously we're planning on finishing out the season, but it didn't work. And so now you're in the BCHL and uh, playing each other and kind of like in, in an Alberta division, if we want to call it. We had a lot of people asking, why was the move made? Can you explain maybe why uh, you and the other four teams felt like was the right move to make? Well, I, I think all along our intention was looking forward to next season. And unfortunately, uh, something happened where it got leaked that uh, – there was uh, the possibility that a bunch of teams might be moving out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League. And uh, as soon as that happened, uh, the HHL stepped in and uh, we basically, the Saints specifically, because we wouldn't be allowed to play the other teams, uh, our season was basically done. And uh, that was never our intention. It was uh, an unfortunate circumstance that came out of it. And unfortunately, it was the players that were being affected by it most. And, you know, when we're looking at you know why we were looking at these opportunities it was always about our athletes and about creating the best opportunities for our players and uh, that's the spirit that we've always operated in uh, as part of our ownership group with the saints and and, and the team of people that we built around uh, around the saints organization and you know we just felt that you know it would have been considering some of these kids uh, had been through the COVID experience had lost the back part of the season and half of another season, uh, you know, just didn't think it was appropriate to, to let our kids out the rest of the year. And uh, really got to commend our, our partners uh, in the BCHL and how they stepped up and, and worked with us to come up with a solution, allowed us to get back on the ice uh, to your point, playing against those teams. And, you know, we're super proud to be part of that group. Uh, you know, you look at the teams that have kind of competed for the championships over the last uh, 10 years, and it is that group. And and uh, it has a lot to do with, you know, our, our focus on trying to raise the level inside the game and raise the level inside the junior game to create better opportunities for our players. And part of that was, was you know, as you know, we have a new facility coming online here in Spruce Grove. It's super exciting. Uh, hoping to open that early in the new year. Uh, next year that will play out of an, uh, a recent announcement in Shore Park. Uh, if anybody's been to the arena in Black Falls, absolutely amazing facility and same thing in Brooks. And, you know, it's just a, you know, a higher standard. And Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. To be fair, Gregor, you know, and I, I know you're aware of this and you've talked about this, like we traditionally have lost our top players to the USHL yeah. and recently to the BCHL just this year. We lost Morgan Brady, who probably would have been our captain this year. He left, went to go to the BCHL in Langley. Uh, we lost Carter Oakenfold before this happened, just around Christmas, where uh, athletes were choosing to go that path. We're used to losing guys to the USHL. Um, you know, the Liam Watkins, the Cam Mitchells, the Stanley Coobies, Ethan Edwards, uh, the Graham Gamashes. Like, these are all top-end players that often play in our system at 17 and 18-year-olds, and we end up losing them as 19-year-olds. And so we wanted to do everything we could to ensure that as we develop those athletes, they stay and they want to play to Spruce Grove and, and see their entire tenure through inside the junior career and move up onto that next level. And what I always thought that's kind of unique about the Saints, we talked about that opportunity to move to that next level to the NCAA, which is the primary focus of the BCHL. But, you know, we're also a factory for producing professional athletes and uh, big call out for Matt Rempe. Yeah. Uh, in the NHL game at X-Saint. Just another Saint. You go up into our Lexus uh, lounge there and, you know, we have our wall of fame up there with all our NCAA commits, but we also have all our NHL players and people are just shocked how many guys have gone through the Saints organization. So we're all about making sure that all of our players have the best opportunity to reach their full potential. And part of that was not making sure we didn't uh, end up not playing for the rest of the season. So that's happening right now. And we're really excited about that. Now, has there ever been any discussions as to to why it's allowed and it was the USHL and then obviously the BCHL, but the USHL could just take your players for nothing. You develop them and boom, they go there. There's no record. Has there ever been a conversation? Now, now I know that BCHL isn't part of hockey can anymore, but when you were in the AJHL, like the hockey can't ever talk to USA hockey and say, Hey, can we come to some sort of agreement here? Because this isn't really good for us. Yeah. Well, there's still a transfer fee that happens, but you know, the athletes have that opportunity and, you know, we're never trying to, we never want to present athletes from moving to another level. I, I don't want to come across like that, but you know, we best way for us to do it is provide the best, best, best possible programming at home. So they don't want to leave. And uh, that's kind of where our focus has been as it relates to what hockey Canada does, hockey USA. Uh, I'm not really privy to a lot of those conversations, obviously, because of my uh, background with hockey super league and with the junior prospects hockey league. And, you know, we've been driving this independent movement to provide choices to families for over eight years now. And it's just now come from where we originally started with seven and eight, nine year olds. Now we have this ability to offer that independent choice, uh, modern hockey offered for athletes all the way from six, all the way now through to junior hockey, have that opportunity to stay inside the independent system, which is really great for families who want that type of choice here in Canada. The one question, uh, you know, I, I got asked a lot and I didn't know the answer, so I was looking forward to having you on. There's people wondering, so now you're part of the BCHL, you're not part of Hockey Canada anymore. So uh, is, is what's the benefit and do you, do you see any negatives? Because I'm assuming when you talk to the BCHL teams, you saw it. What's, what's the pros and potentially cons of not being part of Hockey Canada? Uh, I, I see a lot of pros 
to, to be honest, Gregor, it has to do with the ability to evolve and modernize the game and be progressive. And that's what the BCHL is about. They're trying to just, they're trying to raise the level so that it's one of the top leagues in the world. And we try and even take the word junior out of it. Just be one of the top leagues, top development leagues in the world. And, uh, you know, we strongly believe in that. Uh, we also strongly believe in, you know, this vertical integration model. And for me, that's where I see the biggest pro. Uh, you know, I, I, and I'm not knocking the Hockey Canada model. It works for a lot of people. In fact, the majority of people, it's a great fit for. But for other people who want to play in a borderless type of opportunity, they can start that a lot early. And for us, we look at the bigger picture, allows us to be vertically integrated all the way from, you know, six-year-olds all the way to 20. And you really just don't have that opportunity as a family if you choose. You want to be part of an organization right from the time you're kind of small and grow up and grow through that. That opportunity doesn't really present itself inside the modern hockey world. Right yeah, now. It, that's kind of a model, you know, having talked to, you know, Oscar Kleffbaum and Matthias Ekholm and Adam Larson, it's a little bit like the Swedish model because there you kind of get put in one organization at a young age and then you stay there and you develop through that. Is do you, Now, I know that there's different teams and stuff, but is that the format that you or the formula that you kind of see yours similar as? Yeah, as Dan Lekel would say, the Finland model, but Finland or Sweden. But I'll take it one step further. So, like, I, I, I worked uh, with a good friend of mine's uh, FIFA agent, and uh, we uh, I've had a chance to work with some of the top football clubs in Europe. And they literally, like, when a, uh, a family has a child, they literally go buy their membership card to the Fionnard Football Club, and the kid's one years old. And they're part of the club then, and they start in their three-year-old kid and kick program, and they go in the five and the sevens. And what's kind of interesting about the, that specific model uh, is that they actually, as their players evolve into the U21, into their pro leagues, they actually sell those athletes and transfer them off into the bigger uh, leagues, like mm-hmm. uh, like the Premier League or, yeah. or Liga, right? So it's how they kind of develop and actually make themselves financially sustainable as they develop their own athletes from the time they're uh, very young. You know, Gregor, one of the things we've heard a little bit about is is that people are concerned about whether or not this is going to limit opportunities for Alberta kids. Yes. I, I don't know anybody who's been more committed to developing a grassroots than we have been. You know, we now have 140 kids who participate in the Hockey Super League across uh, Alberta and B.C. And, uh, you know, those athletes, uh, we put a lot of effort, time, money uh, to help develop those programs to give those choices and now with the start of the junior prospects hockey league uh, you know we'll have over 40 teams and a lot of those teams are actually in communities that are part of the bchl so we have players that are now going from uh, the langley jphl team and are getting called up to play in langley or our athletes in coquitlin are getting chances to play in the bchl and we most recently had a couple of our athletes from uh from uh, from our JPHL program that are original Saintsboro Hockey Academy kids from the time they were eight, they got to play in their first games uh, with the Saints just recently here in the BCHL's affiliates. And to be fair, they wouldn't have those opportunities if you're a minor hockey player. Uh, only minor hockey players were allowed to be affiliated in the Upper Junior Hockey League. And now it's kind of the opposite. Now it's our kids who get a chance to play, which we're really happy about. Um, you guys, uh, speaking of a chance to play, uh, you finally have a home game uh, coming up on Saturday night. It's been, geez, it feels like it's been a month since you, since you had a home game, right? Um, uh, we've, fans expect anything different now that you're a member of the BCHL for their home games. You know, I was just reflecting back on some of the Doyle Cups, and you know, I know the local Alberta rivalries are are fantastic. So we know, I can tell you that our top crowds in the air are when Brooks comes. They're our best draw. Okay. And uh, and uh, we do really well when Troy Park comes. And uh, 
So we, we're really happy about those opportunities. And we think our fans, the first game actually we came back, I, a lot of people didn't even know we were back playing. It happened so quick. It basically happened in a 72-hour period. And uh, now the crowds are starting to realize, okay, that's good. They got their schedule set. It's been published. And, you know, I, I think that's part of it. The one thing that I have noticed, I, you know, really love the BCHL referees, the officiating teams that they brought in here. Uh, Brad Lazaro, which is super progressive. We've seen uh, some really outstanding officiating, and it's been one of the things that we've really enjoyed seeing is that, you know, there were some, some concerns. People were talking about, you know, well, you know, what are you going to do with officials? And, you know, talk about the BCHL stepping up and sending in these top-end crews to work with work our games. And, uh, you know, it, it's been great. Uh, you know, when we look at the when – the, when we start to play those interlock games uh, – I was telling a story about back in 1996 when we played in the uh, uh, Doyle Cup against Vernon and, and back when we were in St. Albert with the Saints, I was assistant coach. And we had basically sold out our rink in Aikensville. There wasn't enough seats. So Blaine Galbraith moved the game to Niagara Com and we sold 3,500 seats. People watched the Vernon Vipers play the St. Albert Saints at that time. And uh, I can tell you when the Penticton and these come to town, we're going to be in the new rink. I think it's going to be sold out. Yeah, well, it, people are really excited to see some of these top end junior programs that you only would used to get to see when you know we you know when when Ashy came last time we were in the Doyle Cup against them and yeah. now without with BC not being in the Centennial Cup we also lost that so like we've really gained a lot through that Jason like this idea that we're going to get to play those interlock games with those high end teams and, and and you know have some sort of playoff system where we're going to be back. Crowning, let's be fair here, Brooks has pretty much dominated the national championships the last four years. Yeah. And I venture to say if the Saints would have been, it would have been the same way. I, I really think these top teams are, are quite a bit above uh, the rest, especially in the top 10 here in Canada. Well, Mark, uh, continued success. I appreciate uh, the insight and uh, best of luck. And I know uh, Saints fans and Crusaders fans are happy. And, you know, the Crusaders got their new arena coming. You guys have a new arena coming. So uh, fans of uh, of junior hockey, uh, you know, uh, locally are, are going to get a lot, a lot of games uh, and in some great new facilities uh, coming up in the very near future. So uh, continued success uh, with the Saints and everything at Silent Ice. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Jason. Have a great day. There you go. That's the executive director of uh, Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment, uh, Mark Cronowit. And, uh, you know, I think I answered a lot of the questions. I, I think there, there's a lot of people saying, oh, this means there's never going to be Alberta kids. I actually argued it. I felt like they'll probably lead to more uh, Alberta kids playing, funny enough, in the BCHL, but playing in St. Albert and, or sorry, Spruce Grove and Sherwood Park and uh, Brooks and, and Okotoks and others. And, uh, you know what? Um, it'll be competition. Uh, the other question we have from a lot of people is what do you think the AJHL is going to do? Well, there's still 16 teams in Alberta. Five of them are now in the BCHL. I don't think there's enough good players to add more teams to the AJ. I think the AJHL should focus on their 11 teams. They, there was, you got to remember, it wasn't until 1998 that they had more than eight teams in the AJHL. So it, it, and they ran very well for a long time. I think you can have an 11 team league and be very competitive and work very well. I, I think the mistake the AJHL would make is trying to expand as early as next year. I think that would be a mistake. That's just me. I'm just talking about from a from a quality of player pool. You don't just magically create like you can have more teams. We could have a whole discussion. Is there really enough kids for 22 WHL teams in the in the, in the WHL? I'd argue maybe not. Right? Waters it down a bit. You get rid of two teams, all of a sudden your quality of play is better. So I think the AJHL would be smarter to stick with 11. Uh, when we come back, it's who is it Wednesday? We gave you some, nobody's got the answer yet. Hey, you know what? It's good. We got to have it. Uh, sometimes it can't be too easy. So our, our guest today, of course, uh, uh, is actually a resident of Edmonton. Uh, it was a second round selection of the St. Louis Blues.
five, four family members, either part of currently or prior in the National Hockey League, uh, played a decade in the NHL and had a huge impact on uh, minor hockey in his community as a coach for many years. Find out who it is next on The Gregor Show after Connor Halley and his sports 1440 update brought to you by BIE Engineering, specializing in all your residential, commercial, and industrial structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.